Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Known. Man, if you're returning, just thank you so much for coming back. If this is your first time with us, Known is a podcast where our aim is to create a culture of authenticity through vulnerable stories of battles and burdens that people have faced in their lives. Our hope is that this will encourage listeners to step into the power of being fully known and loved despite our flaws. And so, man, if you're here for the first time, we're so grateful that you're here. We hope you'll keep tuning in this week. We have a special episode for you. It's with a guy by the name of Dusty Tuckness. Now, some of you guys may not have ever heard of Dusty, but Dusty fights bulls for a living. So literally his job is to get between a cowboy and a bull to sacrifice himself and make sure that the cowboys stay safe. The guy's an amazing guy. He has an amazing walk in his faith. We talk a little bit about the things that he specifically struggles with how we aim to love difficult people, and just really the whole idea of what it looks like to sacrifice yourself for other people. And so, man, we hope you'll tune in. Before we get rolling, we got to thank our sponsor, Cody Coffee. Uh, If you use the code KNOWN at www.codycoffee.com, you can get 25% off your new favorite coffee. Uh, It's some of our favorites. We were drinking it while we were sitting down with Dusty today. And so, hey, thank you guys again for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review if you have. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that, and that really does help us out. So thank you, guys. Hope you like this one. Let's get to the podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Known. This morning, we're actually sitting in the studio uh, with a guy that I don't I don't know if you can fully wrap your mind around what this guy does for a living. Uh, he's a professional bullfighter. And so this uh, this week, we're sitting down with none other than Dusty Tuckness. How you doing, Dusty? Man, we're doing great. Uh, kicking the day off just right. Come in here, share some some word with you. And <clears throat> honestly, I feel pretty privileged. I've watched you guys' podcasts and some of the athletes that you guys have reached out to, Cole and some of them guys, you know, the, the best of the best in the fitness world. So uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Absolutely. I mean, as, as crazy as what they do, as crazy it is, as it is what they do, it it's nothing close to what you do. <laughs> um, but we also got Noah on the podcast with us today. What's up, guys? Sweet. That's uh, heard him in uh, one of our early episodes where we sat down with the crew. But we're all home right now, so yeah, got to get in it. But anyways, Dusty, for people who don't know you, and I, I would assume since we're from Cody, Wyoming, we have more of an idea of what bullfighting is than the general mass and the general public. Uh, can you tell people a little bit about who you are, what you do? You've been doing it since you said last night, since you were 12. Yeah. So. Yeah, so uh, I grew up into the rodeo world my whole life. You know, my dad fought bulls and he clowns a bit now. And my mom, she was involved in the in rodeo, running barrels and different things like that. So it was something that just at a young age, I was always around. And uh, just over the time and the years and getting to go to the rodeos with dad at a young age, just uh, seeing what he did and and the whole concept of being a bullfighter. Um, so I'll explain that a little bit right now for those who don't know. But uh, a lot of people categorize this with the rodeo clown. And when it first come around years and years ago, yes, the bullfighter and clown did a lot of the similarity stuff. Uh, but now it's kind of two separate deals. So my job is very dangerous, but it's uh, cowboy protection when these guys get on these bucking bulls. And uh, either before or after the eight-second whistle, our job is to get in there and distract that bull away from that bull rider so he can get back to the fence in uh, uh, good shape. And it's a teamwork deal. Whoever I'm working with, we kind of uh, maneuver around the animal to help the animal out as well as get him in and out of the arena. So it's very dangerous and very serious, um, but uh, it's an unpredictable job. Uh, I love every minute, uh, minute about it. We get to travel all over the country, see a lot of cool places, do a lot of cool things, and I feel it's a platform that God's uh, uh, put in my life, and I'm just going to try to use it to uh, show my identity through who I am in Christ. So it's been fun. It's been a blessing. <laughs> so how do you how do you get into bullfighting? Like, what's that look like the first time, first couple times you're doing it? Like, is it are you actually in the ring with a bull and you're trying to figure it out, or what's what's the lead up to actually protecting the Cowboys? Uh, for me, it was kind of the school of hard knocks, you know, like we was talking last night at the gym. Uh, I started a lot younger than a lot of people did 12. Um, and that wasn't me, you know, being with dad or, or anything like that. That was me kind of sneaking out of the house and going to some practice pins with a, a buddy of his that would work some bulls about six miles from the house. And, uh, over time, you know, dad and my mom 
actually kind of realized or found out that I was doing it and just thankful that uh, they really didn't try to steer me from it. They supported me. Um, but in today's world with the freestyle bullfighting as big as it's getting as well as the cowboy protection and these rodeos growing, uh, the ideal way to come about it, whether you're 12 or 22 or 32, is go to a good school. People might think a school, I mean, you go take a test. No. Uh, so there's groundwork, there's fundamental work, uh, uh, there's dummy sessions. When I say dummy sessions, um, we we create what we call a bullfighting dummy. And I was explaining to you guys a little bit the other night was, in order for a bull's forward or his uh, forward motion to move, his back end has to come around. <clears throat> so they move a lot like a wheelbarrow. So if you guys have ever hauled a wheelbarrow around, like I said, in order for you to go somewhere, you got to take that back end of it and direct it in the direction you want to go. So. A buck and bull maneuvers a lot like that. So we've created what we call a bullfighting dummy um, that manu- uh, maneuvers like that to where we can do fundamentals, do drills, um, get your mind uh, wrapped around the concept of what to do around the live cattle. Now, the difference is when you're around the bullfighting dummy, it's fun, entertaining, you can make mistakes, and it's really, really no fault. But once you have a live animal running at you, whether he's 800 pounds or 2,200 pounds, you're going to see what kind of mindset you got. Um, your mind is definitely going to try to tell you to just take off and run, and that's probably the one of the worst things you can do. Uh, so it's just some basic fundamentals is, is a circle. Um, that's how we uh, maneuver around these bulls. Uh, probably the, the main move um, that, that you can uh, get away the, from these animals from. So... Uh, a circle, uh, stepping into that shoulder, that rib cage of that animal. And it sounds kind of dumb and, and funny all in one, but the tighter you get to that shoulder and that rib cage, you're as safe as you are as you are in your mom's arms. Um, sometimes you got to pick your speed up or slow down, but, uh, you know, if you trust in your instincts, just like with any professional sport, you know, they have drills and fundamentals and training and different things that they do. So you trust your training. You trust what you're equipped to do. And uh, it's it's a mind mind game it can be a game of inches and uh, that's why I say go to a good school because you'll find out real quick when you first get some live cattle ran at you if this is what you want to try to pursue for a career Hmm. how did you deal with like you said school of hard knocks so I'm sure starting so young you've had your fair share of like injuries and been clipped Um, so I guess how did you deal with the fear that might come along with that and what made you want to continue to pursue it yeah, so the fear and, and the head games and the nervous and the adrenaline definitely played a huge part. Um, so when I was young growing up, I can honestly say it was like playing with my, my dad's dog. I mean, I didn't have any nerves, no fear, no no second thoughts. It was just something that I didn't know what could or can't happen in the sport. Um, so for me at the start, it, I wouldn't say it come easy because I still was green, <clears throat> Um, but when I was 15, uh, I got in a pretty bad wreck. Um, and it really opened my eyes. What, what can happen in this sport? I had a bull, uh, I picked a bull off a buddy. Um, the only thing I really remember is I remember that bull swapping ends and then he knocked me out, busted my chin. Um, my dad told me he kind of played ping pong with me along the fence. And the next thing I remember after that, he broke some of my ribs. Um, I remember... And this goes totally against, I think, uh, EMS protocol. But I was sitting upright. I come to, I was sitting upright, and the nurse was trying to put a uh, C-collar on me. <laughs> and at 15, and I, was, I, only, I didn't see anybody around that I knew, um, it was pretty, pretty spooky. Uh, really, uh, to just be flat honest, it could have definitely ended my career right there before it ever got started. Um, to where the biggest part where I overcome a lot of that was my faith in Christ. Um, it's a crazy story. I say it's a crazy story, but part of my testimony is uh, my mom lives in Idaho. My dad lives in Wyoming, and I'd rodeo with dad in the summer, and then I'd go back to school with my mom um, <clears throat> through the school year. Um, I started getting more involved in rodeo, and they started having some camps around when I was uh, – around dads but they were usually later than or after I already went back home and long story short uh, one of the hardest decisions I ever have to make in my life was ask my mom if I could live with my dad 
And I loved my mom, I loved my dad, but I just there's something about rodeo I just wanted to be part more of. And at the time, I didn't really know what the big picture of it was going to be. But as I look back now, I just I see it was all part of God's plan because it was through a rodeo Bible camp where I was saved. Originally, I was going to go there to fight bulls. I was like, man, I'm young. I get to go fight bulls again. I'm trying to overcome this <coughs> this fear, this this uh, mountain in front of me from my uh, recent injury. And uh, through that camp, I uh, accepted Jesus into my life, and it, it changed the whole ball game. Um, just a whole new way of looking at things, a whole new way of life. Um, and my faith through that is really what's given me the stronghold to be able to to face any challenge that lies ahead of me. It doesn't matter what bull it is, what rodeo it is, what situation in life. Um, I'm not going to say, hey, look at me. I've got it all figured out and things are clicking for me. No, I still struggle, have trials and tribulations and, and uh, ups and downs, but I know God has a plan. I know God has equipped me for certain things. And that's where my faith, hope, and trust is, knowing that God has put me here for a reason, and I'm going to believe believe that and not second-guess second him or myself. That's a good word. What, uh, what's the biggest bull you've ever fought? Uh, the biggest bull, I don't know. There's been some over 2,000 pounds that we've run into. Um, but your average buck and bull is you're probably going to be between your 13 to 1,600 pounds. Um, but still pretty big farm animal and <laughs> yeah. they're really, really strong. <laughs> so what, you're not going to want to do this cause you're a humble guy. What all accolades have you won? Cause you're kind of like the bullfighter and you probably wouldn't say that, but from everyone I know that's in the rodeo world, they say that. <laughs> um, and whether that be, you're kind of one of the first guys on the scene that really blew it up. Um, what all, cause you've been, isn't it like six or seven times you've been the world champion? I've uh, been uh, nine times. Nine times. The year. Yes, sir. So what all What all have you accomplished? And, I mean, I know you, like, pointing that back to God and the gifts that he's given you, but also giving lip service a little bit to, like, you have accomplished a lot in your field and in, in what you do. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell people a little bit more about that? Man, uh, it's crazy just to look back on my career and, and think back when I was a kid and, Really, I'm just a kid living a dream. I'm no different than anybody else. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer, and uh, there's two things: is uh, you know, the only person that's going to keep you from doing something is yourself. And if you think you can or you think you can't, you're usually right. And just feel that's one thing God's blessing with is just a sound mind and determination, uh, discipline. Um, that I don't want to. I don't want to waste days. Um, so I wake up. I may, I may overdo it at times from workouts or film sessions or, or whatever, but I just want to put my best foot forward every day. But it's been a blessed, uh, 20, whatever years fighting bulls, uh, got to go to the NFR, uh, 10 times, uh, blessed to be uh, named bullfighter of the year, nine times, got to work some of the, the biggest, most prestigious rodeos in, in the PRSA. Uh, so it's like I said, I look back on it and it just, it just humbles me more than anything. I'm, I'm thankful for those opportunities, um, but I don't, I don't get stuck on those. Uh, I want to be consistent and and be better than I was yesterday. So yeah, it's been cool uh, to work some of the places I've been and and like I said, the ultimate goal for any rodeo athlete is make it to the the Wrangler National Finals in Las Vegas. And we've been blessed to to be a part of that journey. And uh, like I said, I still feel like I got some good years left with me, and I'm just gonna. Take it one perf at a time, one bull at a time, and uh, keep growing. Awesome. So, have you ever had? Have you ever had like an actual rider tell you they were glad that you were fighting bulls for them? Because it's like, in a way, like you're the one that's you're ste- you're literally stepping between them and a bull in hopes that the bull will chase you instead of them. Yeah. So, have you ever had people like, man, I'm so glad Tuckness is on this one with me. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. I mean, there's some some of my best friends have turn into bull or our bull riders or just other rodeo athletes but there's a set of certain few guys that uh, a lot of them bull riders you know whether whether they come up and say it or say it to somebody else they're pretty excited to see who's in the arena got their back and I've even had guys <laughs> have certain bulls uh, because usually week to 10 days they kind of know what they know what they drew 
Um, it's a random draw through uh, the ProCom at the PRCA headquarters so they know what animal they drew. And sometimes they'll draw one that, that bucks good but pretty dang mean and and uh, they may not have great confidence in the guys that are at that rodeo. And I've had some guys be like, hey, what are you doing next weekend? Uh, can you just come and fight the one bull for me? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm actually somewhere else. But uh, it's cool. It's a it's pretty humbling when guys, you know, think of you that much. Um, and, uh, you know, is there some of the best in the world at what they do? And to be able to to look at me or, or there's some other guys, you know, Cody Webster, Nate Justice, Nathan Harp that – you know, get the same accolades or, or uh, praises. Um, it's pretty cool to be a be a part of that elite group and uh, just be able to be consistent about it. I think is the big thing. Awesome. What avenues more enjoyable for you, like bullfighting the bulls after the bull rider gets bucked off, or just straight bullfighting? Uh, so you're talking cowboy protection to freestyle? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think both really. Um, I don't really favor one or the other. Um, I, at the end of the day, I like to just more or less uh, have the title as a bullfighter. And that's what I tell a lot of people at schools or anybody that's interested or what's the difference or some say I'm just I'm strictly cowboy protection. Well, that's cool. You don't have to enter freestyle competitions or nothing. But at the end of the day, we're bullfighters. So... You know, it might go smooth. The guy might make the ride. You pick and roll, and the bull leaves. Or the guy might get knocked out, or he might get hung up. Or you may actually have to fight that bull a little bit to keep him away from that bull rider. So um, I, th- I kind of feed off both of them. I like this freestyle competitions. Uh, you know, it's blown up big. There's a lot of, you know, bullfighters only's uh, kind of your elite elite. And there's, you know, Shorty Gorm's got a association going. There's a lot of great kids coming through that. Some big events. Uh, the PRC's got some. Um, so, freestyle bullfighting's back. It's giving a lot of these young athletes opportunities uh, to showcase their skills and and talents. Um, but you know, the majority of my career now is cowboy protection. Um, but you get in the arena with guys like Nate Justice, Cody Webster, and Nathan Harp, and some of them guys. We have fun. Uh, we get out there. We laugh and joke, and we're picking and rolling bulls off each other. And uh, it's just I don't know. It's hard to explain. We just enjoy it. <laughs> you have the freestyle world record, don't you? Uh, you yeah, in the BFO, I uh, was blessed with a great bull a couple years ago. Was that that was like Spitfire or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I would watch that video. I watched it last night. Um, you're literally you're wearing suspenders, <laughs> and the bull's horn takes your suspenders off. Like that's how close. Because mm-hmm. you get points for like near miss, right? Yeah. So exposure. You know, and uh, so it's one to twenty-five for the bull, one to twenty-five for the bullfighter with two judges. So possible fifty points on each side, total of a hundred points. So yeah, when you expose yourself more, take chances and risks, and and put yourself in more vulnerable uh, situations, and get out of them. Yeah, you you were pinned to a wall. Like you weren't like there wasn't like <laughs> room for you to escape. Like you were pinned no. to a wall, and he took your suspenders off. Yeah. So that's it's a game of inches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think if people YouTube your name, that's one of the first videos that'll come up. Um, it might. It's. Uh, it was like cool. It was Dusty cool Technus world record or something. Yeah, fight that bull. He was uh, getting a pretty big reputation, and those are the kind of bulls that I strive for at those competitions because you know I I want to show up to try to to win it, and uh, it's bulls like that that can either give you that opportunity to win it or give you opportunity to be sore for the next week. <laughs> so before we dive, we're obviously going to dive into the face side of things because we'll talk about that the majority of this, but you backflipped a bull, right? Like in that Noah was talking to you the other day at the gym and you were like, what he was like, what kind of put you on the map? Um, and among other things, one of the big things was that you literally just turned your back to a gate as they opened it and a bull ran out and you tried to time it up and backflip over it and successfully did it. <laughs> What's going through your mind when you backflip a bull? Most people are too scared to attempt a backflip on a trampoline. Yeah. You know, like what's that look like? Um, so the backflip deal, I remember, I think it was 2004, 2005. Uh, they used to have some, uh, 
they called him back then Dickie's Bullfights at the PBR. And one of my good friends now, Andy Burrell, uh, we was watching some film at a school, and I seen Andy do it. And I remember it was like yesterday. We was up at the college uh, barn up here on the hill outside of Cody, and I just kind of thought to myself, if he can do it, why can't I? <laughs> and I never really practiced it or nothing. I've been able to do, you know, backflip before and obviously on the tramp and everything. And uh, I really had no big intentions of doing it too quick, too soon. And then here at the night rodeo, uh, we had some miniature bull riding and whatnot, and one was kind of mean. So I tried it out on that. Uh, uh, worked out okay. Uh, it was decent. And then uh, uh, that year, uh, so I got approved for my PRSA card, but that year I was going to work the NFR buck and stock sale. And uh, so you partner up with – there's 10 bullfighters, so you, you partner up and you just rotate in and out fighting bulls. No money, no nothing. Um, but then uh, at the end of each day, there's, it's a two-day deal. Uh, they run five fighting bulls, so one fighting bull for, for each bullfighter. And the highest score of each day, they, they give them a, a, a buckle. And uh, it was my first actual full blood Mexican I've ever fought. I fought a lot of half bloods or you know bucking bulls, mean bucking bulls, and that. What's that mean to people that don't understand? So uh, a full blood Mexican, you know, that's what they're just strictly bred to do is fight and be aggressive. Uh, a half blood would be like a crossbreed. So it might be a Mexican uh, mama cow, but then you might have a Bramer bull or a, a plumber bull or vice versa. So just a just a mixed breed. So hence half blood half Mexican then half plumber or brindle or whatever type deal and uh so that was my first full blood Mexican fighting bull that I got to fight I was pretty jacked and excited and had a pretty good bull fight started and I remember just wheeling around at the end uh of the fight and I dad was actually working a barrel and I said I'm doing it well he knew exactly what I was talking about and I ran and done the backflip on him and worked out really well um ended up uh, winning, winning the event, and then that next year in Denver. So the one video you're probably talking about that's on YouTube, the one I landed was the year after the first time I did it in Denver, and uh, I wasn't even going to do it there. Uh, a bullfighter come come to the locker room, uh, and uh, he's like, "Hey, I'll pay somebody fifty dollars if they do one of the Manny Braille backflips," and I was like, "All right." You know, talked me into it. 50 bucks. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I was a broke college kid then, you know, 50 <laughs> bucks is big. And uh, so I attempted it there. It worked out decent, not great. But then the following year, the one that's been on YouTube and that, uh, I actually was going, I was committed to doing that one and uh, worked out good, landed on my feet. And when I hit my feet, I was just, I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Nothing could, nothing could knock me down from there. <laughs> that's so awesome. Uh so diving into some of the stuff like you're so literally the job title of what you do is selfless sacrifice. Right. And so you're, you're putting yourself in harm's way. Noah just, we just released a devotional on this actually, um, that Noah wrote. And so you're putting yourself in harm's way literally for the embetterment of other people, which is the story, the gospel, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and so your work from all that stuff, you obviously just being around you, you live it, uh, you speak it. And so, like what? How, what's that like? Because I think a lot of people have a hard time connecting like the gospel to their work, mm-hmm. but the job title of what you do is literally sacrifice. Obviously, with you don't have to have faith to do what you do, mm-hmm. but the discipline that you're building every day, doing the job that you do, has to carry over and translate in some way. And so, what's that like? Like, is there? Do you think of it that way, or is it? Um, do you think it helps you? Being a bullfighter actually helps you in your walk with God. Um, being better at sacrificing for other people and doing all that stuff. What's that? Yeah, I'd say a, a bit for sure. But that's the cool thing about the Word of God is, if you dig into it enough, or, or depending on what type of devotionals you're getting into, they have any kind of devotional: sports, rodeo, cowboy, uh, you know, business people. So, if you read God's Word daily, you're reading your own life through it. So it doesn't matter what you do in life. But for me, yeah, fighting bulls, you know, that faith part in Jesus definitely boosts my confidence every time I step in that arena um, in any aspect that I that I come or any challenge I face because 
I know what God's word says, and I know that we're going to have trials and tribulations. We're going to have things that we got to overcome, and it's faith. The faith doesn't get us around things, but it gets us through it. So one of my favorite verses is John fifteen thirteen. You know, greater love has no man than this, but he lay down his life for his friends, and that's what Jesus did for us. So in a sense, when I step in that arena, I I, I say that you know, and I'm not saying that I'm going to go out there and just die for these guys, but in a sense, yes, I'm going to step out here just as Jesus stepped to the cross boldly for us, knowing what was going to happen. And he still went through with it. And to be able to step in that arena with that mindset, thinking to myself that whatever happens in this arena, you know, I know I've got some uh, a partner, if not one or two guys fighting bulls with me that got my back, but these guys are putting faith, hope, and trust in us. So I want to step to the, step to the plate and uh, be bold in what I've trained for, what God's put in my heart. And so, yeah, I do relate it a lot to sports and rodeo so just about anything I read uh I kind of try to tie it into you know not my lifestyle because you know it's my lifestyle but where I can get a better grasp of what God's trying to say in a scripture what do you think part of your success in it is that you do feel assurance and if a bull got you and killed you like I'm going to heaven anyways. You know, like, do you think part of your success is that you have assurance that like, man, like I'm not, I'm sure you're still nervous, but you're not like, it's not every time. Like, I think if, if you're a bullfighter and every time you go out there, you're thinking, man, is this thing going to kill me? You're probably not a very good bullfighter, right? Like we were talking about how it's all, it's really all instinctual. Once you actually get out there, it's if you, if you think you lost kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you think part of your success is the fact that you are comfortable in knowing that, like, well, if I do get hurt, you know, like, and I do know that God does things for purpose. I know my days are numbered, and so mm -hmm. you think part of your success is in that? I, I could I could say a little bit of that um, because, like I said, it's a big head game. You know, there's a saying that says it's 90% mental and the rest is in your head. You know, I've I've seen guys step in the arena before and that are talented but then come across the bull that they didn't get by the time before or whatever. And like I said, even part of my testimony when I was a kid, you know, after I had that rude awakening and the first time I stepped back in the arena, it got so bad. The first three bulls, I had to leave the arena. I couldn't finish the bull ride because it was all in my head. I let my, I let the demon, I let the devil control my thoughts and tell me that I wasn't worthy and tell me I couldn't do this and that I was weak, but it was through my faith in Jesus that has helped me overcome that. So, yeah, I, I can definitely credit a lot of that to my success and, and the things that I've been able to do in that arena. It's not so much me doing them, it's the Christ that lives in me. But, yeah, most definitely it's when the devil comes a-knocking and, and you face it with with your faith in Jesus and know that you're the head not the tail and above and not beneath, you know, you can meet any challenge you want and be victorious. But we've got to keep focused on on the prize that's that's ahead of us. So yeah, most definitely the you know, the faith in, in the Lord is <laughs> it's been there for me a lot because there's times when my flesh is like, Oh man, I, last time I had this bull or I've been here it didn't turn out good, but then I kinda of feel like I get a slap upside the head and like, Come on now, you're better than that. Go out there and and shine for me, not for you type thing. So yeah. That's awesome. Uh you said earlier that uh I like I like a lot what you said that faith faith doesn't get you around it gets you through it. So what's something in your life that maybe recent maybe not maybe just anything that sticks out to you that that you really had to lean into your faith to get through. I know maybe your heart initially goes to maybe your first wreck like when you're 15 like mm -hmm. you're saying um I don't know where you were at when you were 15 but my faith wasn't where it is now. Um is there anything recently or anything that might be encouraging to listeners that like hey I mean you're a big, tough cowboy. You literally fight bulls for a living, but that doesn't change the fact that God's still teaching you things. You're still vulnerable. You're still learning through life experience and all those things. Um, what's the last thing or something that just sticks in your mind that faith actually got you through? Um, nothing like really big off the top of my mind. I think the most recent thing really is uh, just... Uh, consistently uh asking for wisdom and guidance in in what not that I want to know what the future holds um but just to be able to have that belief in the in that and I can have the wisdom to do what's right and be able to speak when I'm supposed to or hold my tongue when I'm supposed to and 
just continue to trust and believe that God does have a plan. Um, like I said, I don't necessarily try to seek for answers so much or, you know, because I'm guilty of it for sure is, Hey, God, give me a sign. And he may give me one. Well, I need a better one, mm-hmm. you know, but consistently I trust that he's got a greater plan for me, but give me the wisdom to be able to recognize it when he shows me something. So whether it's relationships, whether it's in my, my career, whether it's with family, friends, um, I read a deal the other day that uh, it was, I may misquote it, but it was talking about when you're around people and certain people come up to you and acknowledge you or whatever, don't just block them out or ignore them because you might be the one prayer that they ask for. Um, just like so many people's done in my life when, when I've prayed for assurance or prayed for strength or prayed for support and just out of the blue, somebody come and give me an encouraging word or, you know, come and give me a hug. Um, we could be that one prayer for them. So uh, that's one thing I guess anybody who's listening is just know that each day is a blessed day. Uh, it's a blessing to to wake up and put our feet on the ground and know that <clears throat> sometimes we wonder if God's going to use us, but there might be that stranger that comes up uh, and has a question or or battling something you may just want to be by yourself, but just know that you may be the prayer, or the answer to their prayer that they had, just like so many uh, do for us. So just be mindful of that and trying to love like Jesus does, and that's definitely one thing I need to get better at, um, you know, whether it's forgiving or just showing just that good agape love um, to everybody, not just my bosses or anybody. Um, so there's still growth and strength that I need to do and I encourage everybody to know that I don't have it all figured out. You know, I mess up daily, but I'm con- going to continue to work just like at service the other day. I was talking about that lady that ran that marathon and she got 26.1 miles into it. And that last 0.1 mile, she literally crawled across the finish line. She didn't quit. She didn't give up. And that's what God asked from from us, I think, is, you know, finish our race. You know, continue to move forward. We may be crawling. We may be limping. We may be jogging. We may be running. But just continue to move forward and and uh, keep your focus on Jesus and what he has in store for you. Don't get lost into the distractions behind you because that's where the devil's at and that's where he's going to try to pick up all your sins and your your depression and your unforgiveness, your hate and all this stuff and try to beat you over the head with it. So I think the more we can look forward and focus on that task at hand and uh, I think you're going to have better days and you're going to be able to to reach out to people more and, and uh, more people are going to come to you because they see how you're carrying yourself consistently. Absolutely. I love what's God, uh, what's he teaching you about loving other people right now? I think like for me, for instance, like, um, John 13 tells us to, uh, Jesus commands us to love people as he loved us. Mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out how to love people who just moderately inconvenience me. You know, like it's really easy to love, like it's easy to hang with you and like you, like love on you and just talk about faith and the walk that we're walking. And, um, it's a lot harder to love that guy at the gym that's throwing his weights around, making a scene, you know, like yeah. throwing people under the bus and gossiping in the corner. And so um, what's God showing you right now about uh, the difficulties that you are having in loving people? I know for me, like I'm just I'm just a hypercritical person mm-hmm. by spirit and I expect people to be as motivated and disciplined as I am. Um, and that's just not the reality and that's not where God has them in their walk and their season. And um, I'm a lot more truth than grace and I need to swing a lot closer to the grace side. Um, and so... What's that look like for you? What's God showing you? Man, it's kind of funny how you said all that because ideally that's pretty similar to me, really. Um, Between you talking about the self-discipline and the drive and just, come on, you know, push through this. You know, I I struggle with that. Like we talked at the gym a little bit the other day when people might come up to me and be like, hey, man, I want to train with you. And uh, they jump in. If they say they want to train with me, well, they're going to do the workout I'm going to do. Um, but if somebody comes up to me and be like, hey, can you put together something for me? Um, I got to wrap my mind around what their goals are, not mine. So I think it's kind of the same way maybe in their walk with God, not that they're – and without manipulating the Scripture or directing the what they want, what they don't want out of the Word, but I've also got to understand where they're at in their walk to where I'm at in my walk. 
just as the word tells us, you know, we should remove the plank from our eye before we can focus on trying to uh, remove the speck out of a brother's or sister's um, so we can see clearly, so we can have that wisdom where we can approach uh, somebody and say, hey, you know, this has been on my heart or, you know, Lord just wanted me to tell you this. So that's that kind of that same borderline where whether it's spiritually or physically, you know, in the gym or, or in your walk where sometimes I just want to just be like, get through this or, Hey man, you know, you got this, like, you know, no God has a plan or, Hey, this workout, don't let this workout defeat you or don't let this bull just because you hooked the last nine out of 10 times, you're going to win this time. You know, don't give up, don't back down. And I think that's where just going for talking on bullfighting, or I think we can even touch on some lacrosse athletes. Um, I think that's where good athletes or bullfighters are separated from great is how much self-discipline they got because self-discipline is pursuing excellence. Just like Ben Bergeron's talking about, there's a lot of people that get uh, right there about that spot where they're, they're happy with what they're doing. They're complacent they're, man, I've done some good and you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting by but there's that small percentage that continually to push excellence. So it's self-discipline. You're not always going to be motivated to get up and go to the gym at five or six or in the evening after all day working. There's not always going to be days where I step in that arena and I'm like, I love my job. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Whenever there's times I'm stepping there and like, man, I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm beat up. But going back to my faith through Jesus, like, okay, I know I can get through this. I love my job and I'm going to step to the plate. I'm going to overcome this this injury. I'm going to overcome this tiredness. You know, I'm going to rise above it. So I think that goes back to spiritual and physically speaking to where, like you were saying, where you feel God has you and showing Christ-like love is the same in a, in a sense to me too where I've got to understand where they're at. Certain people, pastors, are going to have to understand where I'm at, and they do that better than I do. Um, but that's something that I want to continue to work on. And the other thing that I think about is <clears throat> when we get to thinking like, man, I see that guy doing this, that, and the other, or, you know, he's kind of making a scene or whatever. I kind of stop and think, you know, how many times have I failed Jesus, you know, da- daily, but he's still there with open arms. Uh, there's a, a pastor buddy of mine, uh, Todd Pierce, uh, old bareback rider. He's He's got a great message uh, message that he goes to all these camps and schools. I don't know if you guys seen anything from ROF right on Faith Camp, but he he gets these unbroke horses. At the very most, they, they're halter broke. so where they can put halter on them and walk them around. Never had a person on them, never had a saddle on them, never really been worked. Some are colts, some are five, six years old. But Todd, how he says, he says, I truly believe God picks the horses for each event. He, he's been to prisons uh, and done this. He's been to camps. He's been all over. But through his demonstration on this unbroke horse, he shows what Christ's love is towards us, where we are that horse at first. You know, we're kicking at him. We're running. We're scared. We're bucking. But every time he gets bucked off, every time he about gets his head kicked off, Todd every time approaches that horse with his arms wide open and just like, hey, here I am. You know, and it's just such a powerful message that how many times do we do that to God? So if we're looking at, man, how can I love this person? And again, I don't have it all figured out and I fail daily. But if Jesus can keep coming back to us just as Todd does that horse every time that we try kicking his head off or we buck him off, that just goes to show what what kind of a God we serve and how much love he has for us. Go back to the prodigal son, you know come back after doing all that stuff and that father's just like come on son and that's what jesus is to us and the more i can realize that and focus on that i think over time it it does get easier or you get that understanding like okay you know jesus loves me for what i've done or what i'm gonna do he already knows that i'm gonna sin tomorrow but it doesn't matter he's gonna love me so that being played through my mind over and over helps me to try to see as Jesus does. And that's where I'm wanting to get better and stronger Uh, because in rodeo world, we interact with so many different people, so many different cultures. 
and uh, we're we're kind of meant to be people 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 pleasers not pleasers but people people I, i'm kind of i'm lost on my <laughs> words there i'm i'm stuttering but uh uh to be in the crowd and be able to be social and you know there's kids to uh, adults and elderly people that we can reach to and going back to my part of my testimony of going to a rodeo camp because I could fight bulls and I could deal with church stuff at the end of three days realized I went to a bible camp that allowed me to fight bulls is just part of the plan that I think God's put me in so I need to hold myself accountable every time I step around an arena or go to an event to be able to try to show that light, show that Jesus love, and it doesn't matter who it is. And yes, there's times where it's tough, but I definitely need to get better at it, and that's one thing that I'm going to try to continue to get better at. Yeah, so that was actually what I was going to ask you. Um, How do you, like, you know, you're one of the best bullfighters in the world, but you're also very firm in your faith and you don't hide that. Um, and we were kind of talking last night, like it's easy nowadays, you win a competition, you're on TV, it's easy to say like, all praise to the man upstairs. Mm-hmm. But how do you make sure that bullfighting is simply a platform for you to further the gospel and share share Jesus's story and how he's changed your life with all these young kids who are coming up and doesn't become the ultimate thing in your life? I think the biggest thing on that is uh, your actions. Um, like I said, you know, you know, a lot of people can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And that's where I really try to pride myself in spiritually and physically is, you know, who am I to to say to a student to walk straight down this bull that's baited up on the fence and being baited up by the fence means basically his butt's backed up to the fence, so there's no room to go underneath. So we call it walking down the barrel. Who am I to, to tell a student to do that if I don't demonstrate it? And I think it's the same way in, in your walk with the Lord is, I can't sit here and say, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that, but then I'm off doing something else. Um, I think through your actions, uh, I speak definitely more boldness than what you say. And then one, once your actions flood over to them and you don't, you don't try to change who they are, but they can see who you are, I think is when you actually start having people reach out to you because they know that you are not judging them for what they've done or where they're at in their life, but they see who you are and the love that you've given them or the support you've given them. And you may get a random phone call at two or three in the morning. And those goes back to the times when I'm like, God, use me. I'm on fire. I just read something awesome. I want to, I want to share it. And then a month later, when I think God isn't using me at all, uh, I've got a couple of random two, three o'clock in the morning phone calls, and it caught me off guard in a sense because I'm just trying to pull my eyes back and 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 digest what's going on here. But it's it's crazy to see that people watch you. And in the rodeo world, I had a buddy. He spoke at a Bible study in Houston uh, years ago, but he was talking about. At Rodeo Houston, there's 80,000 seats. Every night, 80,000 people, 60 to 80,000 people see me. See me in the arena fighting bulls. He said, and I may, I may, I may, may, I may make eye contact with, say, 1,500 of them. But there's 60 plus thousand that see me. What I do in that arena, what I do as I'm warming up outside of that arena. So you don't understand the impact that you can have in somebody's life or the impression you make. And like I said, I'm not saying we got to be like, uh, you know, goody goody in front of the public because who we are behind closed doors, I think really speaks more volume, but there could be somebody in that stands that sees what you do. If you took the time to to take a picture with that kid or, or whatever the case be, and it can be an impact on somebody's life, and it can definitely change somebody's life. Um, so I think your actions are are where it's at more because then once they start seeing who you truly are, they'll they'll open up to you. As long as you're not, I may make some people mad saying this, but as long as you aren't that religious type person, and that's where I think a lot of people 
get it all mixed up of this world, they look at me or look at some of us and be like, man, you're religious. No, I'm not religious at all. You know, I don't have all these rules and regulations or timesheets or whatever. Um, I just have a relationship with the Lord, and that's all he wants. I want to know his word. I want to understand what he's got in store for my life because there were certain people that were in my life that allowed me to see that, and uh, I feel that God's called us all to go out and preach the gospel, and there's certain people that we're going to encounter in life, and we want to be prepared um, for those opportunities to to change somebody's life, and it's not for a, a tally mark on our belt, but it's for eternity uh, in heaven for those guys, and that's I think the biggest picture for for it all. It all. So playing devil's advocate here, what? So you have forty thousand Instagram followers. You get to be in front of sixty to eighty thousand people every not every weekend, but you're in front of at least thousands of people most weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a stay at home mom. I'm an accountant. I'm working a nine to five in a cubicle. How am I supposed to glorify God with my actions? How am I supposed to live in a certain way? It's easy for you to say because you get to be in front of all these people and live a certain way and do these things, and then people are drawn to you and they come and ask you about what you do. What's your encouragement to those people that are like, man, like, I just work a desk job. Like, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to pursue excellence in what I'm doing? Like, I'm not out in front of the world for people to see getting paid to perform, you know? What... What's your encouragement to people like that? I don't think that advice is any different, but I want to hear what you have to say. You forgot to say that you're a Titans games athlete. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for, for those that think that, man, God can't use me because I just live in a small little town, a 300, or I don't have the followers on Instagram, or you know I don't have a job that takes me around all these big places, don't be discouraged by that because I don't think it's necessarily about the numbers. Like I said, I'm thankful for the the job that uh, the desires that God's put in my heart. Um, but don't get distur- discouraged because you don't have followers or you're not in front of big crowds because you may you may be in that. I read something the other day. It says you're at this point in your life at this exact moment, this exact time, this exact place for a reason. And if you truly believe that, then that peace and joy can can be in your heart, and and you know God's got a plan for this situation. So I think still still take each day doesn't matter what the community you're in doesn't matter what job you're in you can still be a light for for that that work atmosphere you know god's got plans for god's given us all gifts and the gift might be of giving it might be an acts of serving it might be uh uh whatever but uh find out your gifts you know get drawn to god's word and and pray on for wisdom of what they are and and they've even got some this uh, the love language quizzes that'll help you kind of see what kind of gifts that you have to be able to utilize them at work or at jobs or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't get discouraged by any of that. You know, I think that's one thing with social media that there's some good to it, but I think it's kind of getting out of hand in a bit is people are like, oh, look at that, man, he's got a lot of followers and this and that. Honestly, I probably know... <laughs> maybe 800 of those 40,000 or whatever, you know, personally. Um, I'm thankful for people that want to to follow me and see my journey, but there's a lot of people that are in your journey that uh, you're one-on-one with. So if you're at a workplace or whatever, you're there for a reason, and, and know God's got a plan for you there. And uh, if you stay true to your faith and the beliefs in, in Jesus and walk with Him daily, He'll you'll start seeing Him open doors and maybe closed doors um, that can open bigger doors for you. So don't don't think of it as you're you're not good enough uh, to where you look at David, uh, David and Goliath. You know, nobody thought that he was capable of doing what he did, but he stepped boldly to the throne. He, he knew that the Christ that lived in him was bigger than any Goliath that could stand in front of him. So if you can have the a heart like David... And, and the mindset like him going to the work uh, workplace or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, God's going to God's gonna show you the way. And it may be one person that you're supposed to impact, or it may be one person that you're supposed to scratch the soil, till the soil, maybe, the, maybe even plant the seed. You may not even see the harvest, but you're a part of, part of the puzzle. 
So I'd encourage everybody to, doesn't matter what workplace you're in or how many people are around you or what followers you got, God's going to use you in ways so big that that it's it's unexplainable. I think it's powerful too. You you use the phrase like people are watching, um, quite literally for you. People are watching, um, but yeah, like you said, you know, eight hundred of your forty thousand followers. But maybe it's that eight hundred one guy. Maybe it's for someone else. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to know the person for them to be impacted by your life, right? If you're living in such a way that's actually attractive to people in a way that the gospel has asked us to live, um, I think that's huge. And going back to what you said about being religious, right? Like I think. One of the issues, I think, is that in 1 Corinthians 5, it basically tells us, the Bible is basically saying, judge Christians, don't judge other, don't, don't judge non-Christians. Basically saying, if we, we've, we need to redeem the word judge. Judge basically just means to hold to a standard. Mm-hmm. So 1 Corinthians 5 saying, if you claim to be a Christian, we're going to hold you to the standard of what you're claiming to be. If you're not a Christian, what we're going to do is tell you about the standard that we have, tell you about the hope, the joy, the love that we have mm-hmm. in hopes that you'll enter into that relationship with it. I think so many people too, like they take it upon themselves of, I got to go be a light. And then they go Bible thump people and they're like, Oh, like you need this and you need this. And I'm going to now hold you to a standard that you were never mm-hmm. supposed to be accountable for. Um, and I think that's, that's where a lot of people I think are going wrong in that the culture, it's easiest to judge people who aren't Christians and place a Christian value on them mm-hmm. because it makes you feel really good because you're doing something better than they are according to that standard. You're holding yourself higher. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you don't but if they haven't a claim to that standard, if they don't if they don't call themselves a Christian, bring them the gospel, don't bring them the freaking Torah. You know, yeah, like Exactly. Um and so I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying in that of that like man there's people that are watching. There's people that are just seeing the way that you're living their, your life. I don't think, I think too many people, no one and I were just talking about this last night. Um, there's a phrase we were talking about of, you know, um, share the gospel every day and sometimes use your words, mm-hmm. which I think is 100% true until it becomes a cop out to never actually use your words, you know, like, yeah. and I think so many people, um, Oh like, yeah, no, I'm just living in a way, you know? And it's like, well, when was the last time someone came up to you and said, man, you just look like Jesus tell me about them. You know, it's like that usually doesn't happen. Yeah. Usually you still have to be bold and courageous in the way that we're speaking our faith and using our words. Um, have you had opportunities in your life? You're saying like the way that you carry yourself and um, the way that you, you handle people off stage, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of a time where just the way that you carried yourself actually opened the door to a faith conversation uh, where you were able just to step in and say like, Hey, yeah, like let's talk about it. Oh yeah. Uh, most definitely. Like just talking about some of them, late night or early morning phone calls. Um, you know, I've, I've really tried to not pride myself, but really try to, uh, uh, be a light in a way to where I'm not like a Bible thumper. You know, I don't want to just try to force it down somebody, you know, I want to be able to try to love like Jesus does going back to what we talked about earlier is love them where they're at because Jesus loved me where I was at before I ever knew him. And, uh, and just being who I am around them. So I'll still open up my Bible around them in the mornings, in the evenings, or my Bible app on my phone and get some word. And and it's it's cool because God's working ways through that that, you know, I've been at buddies' places and different things and I'm reading something or whatever. And maybe the first day or two they come by and they don't say nothing. Obviously they know, you know, they know what I'm doing. And then maybe day two, three, or four, whatever, they walk by, hey, what you reading today? You know, just, you know, maybe it's just scratching the soil. You know, I'm, like I said, I might not be planting a seed, really, or or, or going to see a harvest, um, but just trying to live for who I am in front of them. I don't want to try to change who I am around certain people. I don't want to be like a gecko, adapt to my environment, you know. So if I can do that, going back to what you guys said, you know, uh, through actions, uh, you know, I think speak more volume than words, but also the word tells us to be prepared. So when somebody does come up to us or God opens a door and I'm going back to talking about wisdom and when to speak and when not to, I think the more in tune we are with the Holy Spirit, God's going to give us opportunities in our life when we're supposed to put our foot down or have a word to say. So we, we, we need to be tied to him in a sense to know that and have the wisdom of that, but also be able to have accountability for where our faith comes from and why and maybe who Jesus is to us. 
And so people will approach you after, after a few days of watching you or analyzing you or whatever. Um, I was thankful and blessed to, to uh, have an endorsement deal come about about a year ago and uh, just a, a phenomenal Christian family. Uh, we actually did a commercial the other day, um, and uh, I didn't really know why they uh, reached out to me or nothing, but when we was doing that shoot the other day, uh, the guy that was doing the filming of that kind of asked, hey, you know, why'd you pick this guy or whatever? And the one thing that he said that just kind of really humbled me and, and just, I mean, it didn't get me teary-eyed, but it was just like, man, God, you do work. He said, you know, my kids, and that kind of followed this kid for about a year and a half or two, and we just seen the kind of person he was and, you know, the kind of family we are and what we want to represent. And like I said, it just humbled me a bit, just thinking, man, you know, thank you, Lord, for for using me when I didn't even know I was being used. And so uh, to pick up my cross daily and walk, I think, definitely inspires me to try to be better. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I do fail daily, uh, but I want to continue to to push for that finish line, whether I'm crawling or walking or limping, to to grow in my faith, to grow in those opportunities that if they do come to where I don't miss out on them, uh, to where I can, you know, help direct somebody to know that God has great things for their life as well. So two things based off that. What? So one, gives you some time to think about this while I ask the second part. Um, you say you do fail daily. Where do you find yourself failing most daily? And then two, um, you you reference I think it's Second Timothy chapter four, the be prepared um, in and out of season, correct rebuke, preach the word, be prepared mm-hmm. um, in and out of season, correct rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful understanding. I think um, the I was just thinking about this last night. I was talking to my wife about it that like we we all need to have a message to share when given the opportunity to preach it. And I'm not saying you all, we should all have the gospel in our arsenal that we can mm-hmm. we can preach that. But I think we should also have uh, the unique characteristic of what God is doing in our life, mm-hmm. and that's going to change in and out of season. I don't think you have necessarily a life story. You might have something you can always lean back on, but I think and if anyone's like me, it's always changing what God's teaching you. As you get better at one thing, you find out you're really terrible at something else. Um, and so for me right now, like that's trying to figure out what it looks like to actually be vulnerable, right? Like the whole point of this podcast is that we're trying to call people into authenticity and then I'm still spending time journaling. Like, what does it even mean to actually be that, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I found in my life that I will talking with Noah about this the other day, I will share the, um, I'll share the actual destination and the outcome without sharing the journey, but the journey is what people relate to. Mm-hmm. And so I can mask a destination of like, yeah, man, God was really teaching me how to listen to him. And that sounds like a strength when it could, I'm trying to make it seem like a vulnerability, but really to other people, that sounds like a strength that I learned how to listen to God. And so a lot of us, I think, will we'll talk about the outcome, we'll talk about the destination without ever talking about the journey. And in the journey is where people can actually connect to our story. And in the journey is where we fail, in the journey is where we're most vulnerable, in the journey is where we're fearful, where we're worn, where we're tired. And I think those are the things where people can actually connect to our stories. And if out of arrogance, we're always painting a picture of strength, of, hey, this is where I am. Like, this is where God's brought me. This is what he's taught me. It always sounds like we're learning and growing and becoming. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, well, like, that's not vulnerable at all to me. You know, like, I can't relate to that. That's not a weakness. That's yeah, a strength. You, figured out. you know, like, um, and so for me, that's where I see God growing me most daily, where I'm failing the most, where I'm trying to figure out, like, man, what does that look like to truly be sharing? Like, for me right now, we just had, our family just had a family, not throwdown, but like, vulnerability night where we all were just crying and talking Mm -hmm. about what God's doing in our lives and how just worn we feel about certain things. And for me, it's just this, this, this vision of who I want to be as a man and, and where I want to be when my time has come, you know, and, and feeling the inadequacy and the weight of like, I can't possibly get there outside of God. You know, like I can't possibly become the man that I want to be. I can't do the things that I want to do if I, if I, if I keep trying to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, that's where I see myself failing. I think it's unfair to ask you to step into a vulnerability if I'm not willing to do it myself. Exactly. But um, where do you see yourself failing? Like, where do you see yourself falling? Um, I would have to say for me is going back to the, the whole love thing in a sense. Um, you know, not not that I don't love people in my life because I do, and I try to I try to show love to everybody, but I, I need to grow on that. There's times where I'm... I, uh, don't make the point uh, 
to make the situation better. You know, like I can be pretty independent at times. You know, times I just want to go about my day and then go back to the camper, or, you know, I guess you'd say comfort zone and just kind of get away from the world. But that I feel is missing out on opportunities in a sense to where, I, you know, people could reach me or I could reach others. Um, and that's, you know, that being a bit selfish and at times on my part or, or prideful thing, you know. Um, so I need to grow uh, more in that, uh, reach, being able to be reachable to others. Um, and then talking about the vulnerability part of it, uh, you know, really just getting flat out and be like, hey, this is where I'm at, this is where I was, this is where I'm going, this is what God has for me, and uh, uh, be able to have a more accountable accountability people, you know, reach out to uh, more, and there's some of my close friends that that I definitely do, I'll vent to, and I'll pour everything out, And uh, but they've, they've known me enough now to where, you know, it might be, they know when the time's almost right, you know, like, all right, I think Tuck's going <laughs> to go ahead and spill the beans right now, you know what I mean? And uh, so I can get stronger in, in those areas for sure. Um, and I think just for my on my daily walk of it is, uh, I'm not, I don't know, I just, just little little quirks, little, you know, there's times when I'll get mad or, or PO'd at somebody um, and, you know, try to hold a grudge on them or something or be hateful. And then, you know, later on through the day or whatever, then, you know, kind of hits me, you know, where I need to be more sh- or sharper at that moment to be able to take a deep breath and be like, all right, we're going to get through this. You know, don't look at it as a challenge, but look at it as an opportunity. Maybe not for that person, but maybe for me. You know, I, I, there's a lot of times when I think people will pray for, patience or wisdom or strength and i've been guilty at times thinking hey i prayed for strength where is it (laughs) when god may give us an opportunity to be strong or he may give us an opportunity we might pray for patience but he he may give us an opportunity to have patience you know I, i i read a little funny the other day it was talking about this old guy's in the middle of a lake trying to swim for his life and boat come up and uh, said, hey, man, you need a, need a hand? I said, no, sir, Jesus will save me. The guy in the boat said, all right, drove away. Um, about 30 minutes later, another boat come by. Hey, man, you need a hand? He said, no, Jesus will save me. Got in that boat, took off. About 30, 40 minutes later, the guy finally couldn't tread water anymore and drowned. Got up to heaven, and first thing he asked God was, hey, why didn't you save me uh, in that lake? He said, you dummy, I sent you two boats. <laughs> You know, sometimes what what we're wanting to see is totally different than what God's trying to show us. So, in a sense, that's another sinful way that I I feel that I can I want to have better wisdom about knowing the difference more the difference on my spiritual thinking to just my thinking. You know, what do I want? To what God wants. So, that's definitely I think a, a uh, an area where I can get stronger and put self aside, say, Tuck, you know, trust that God's got something for you here. You know, God may give you an opportunity for what you just prayed for, but allow me to have the wisdom enough to uh, understand it and act on it. Love that. So, Dusty, people, first of all, uh, if you need to give any time to your sponsors, I know you got some some great guys that back you and support you, and you're very thankful for that. Um mm-hmm. So who supports you? Who's your sponsors, and where can people find you? Uh, so yeah, uh, some of my sponsors: uh, Huey uh, uh, Hat uh, Hat Company out of Spring Branch, Texas. Uh, they've been with me for a lot of years. Great state of Wyoming. The Wyoming Tourism Board, uh, just a phenomenal support what they do. Uh, Montana Silversmith, uh, American Hats, uh, Renewal by Anderson, Wyoming. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Don Joy. Uh, Justin Boots, uh, Cinch Jeans and Shirts. I'm uh, just thankful for all they do and continue to do um, for me and so many other rodeo athletes to help us get up and down the road. Um, and yeah, if you guys want to continue or 
continue or to uh, stay in tune to any of my uh, whereabouts. Uh, I usually try to keep people uh, up to date on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, uh, you know, just try to, yeah, give me a shout out or say hi if you see me somewhere and uh, hold me accountable for what I said today. <laughs> you know, let me. <laughs> Absolutely. Your Instagram, is your Instagram still old talk? No, I switched it from old Tuck, and uh, it's. I think it's just Dusty underscore Tuckness now. I, I don't even know. <laughs> Let's see. I think that's right. I think you're right. Yep, Dusty underscore Tuckness. So if you want to follow along Dusty's journey, he's traveling all the time and uh, running at different rodeos. So and if you have no idea what bullfighting is, YouTube it, and then you'll really want to listen to this podcast because it's <laughs> insane. Um, but, hey, Dusty, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. You've always been a huge supporter of us, and we're very thankful for that. Um, just there's a Wyoming connection, I think, no doubt, because there's so few of us that we just kind of band together. But mm-hmm. uh, we're very grateful for the opportunities you've given us and the help and support that we've had. So thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate you guys and you guys that are listening, um, Quinn and knowing them with the Humble, Humble Daily and how the, the reaching out to people that they're doing through faith and fitness is is awesome. Obviously, we relate to it a lot more than some, but uh, you know, follow them, reach out to them. I know they'd love to pray with you or or uh, visit with you and support you in any way. So uh, keep keep uh, up to date with these guys because they're, they're making ways and God's got big plans for them. Thanks, Jesse. You bet. Man, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Dusty is such an encouragement to us in the way that he just takes his face so literally and walks in it day-to-day, fighting the good fight and the battles that have been put before him. Um, and I hope that you guys have been encouraged by this and maybe have taken a piece or a nugget of wisdom that you can then apply to your lives. Uh, we're so thankful again that you guys are listening. If there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can email any of us or you can just email info at humbledaily.com with your prayer requests or with anything like that. Uh, we're so glad to help you guys and just, just thankful that we can be here for you. Uh, just hope that you guys will, will step into the influence that you have in your lives today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of our community, and we hope that you'll go out and be fully and truly known. We love you guys.